0: Thank you, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to be here. Let me see if I can get this. And um, thank you, both of you. The two messages he had been brought are very vital. But the last one is, it's a wonderful thing to have all the right theology and Christology and missionology and ecclesiology. It, it, it's very important to have that t- to stand. But uh, without love, hey, without love, it's not going to work. I believe we're a love machine. (laughs) (laughs) I really do. We need to run on love. But here's the problem with love today. What does it mean? You think of all the interpretations of love uh, that go on. From some of the, vi- if you walk down a grocery store checkout counter, they've got some of the vilest magazines there that they say love magazines. And uh, and uh, I- you can go on and on and on. You know, the three basic words for love uh, eros, that's physical love, and there's a place for that in its proper place. There's filial love, friendship love. And then there's agape love, which he had us read about here in Heng. Now, Here's what I see happening. You know, you, if you went to church today and asked 99% of the people if they love God, they'd say yes. <laughs> they'd say yes, uh, b- but they don't know what love is uh, to be able to do it. And th- the proper, def- it's all like this. a will love machine. We got to have love to run on. Now. If we're not getting the love of God that seems to keep everything in balance, for instance, one of the things I love about the definition of love, it does not keep accounts of wrong suffered. <laughs> if you've got that love in you, uh, you won't keep accounts of wrong suffered. And all of us have could keep long accounts of wrong suffered, that things that people have done to us. So what I see happening is this. Uh, when a pers- The only way you can get the love of God is from God. The only way you can get the, the love of a mother is from a mother. Hey, you have to get it from God. And it, it can't come secondhand. You've got to get it firsthand. When people run out of the love of God, since they're love machine, they still have to have love. So they're going to get out here to get it. Some uh, seek to get it in uh, uh, in with the filial kind of love. And th- they're talking about codependency. You know, hey, everything depends on codependence, so we fill up with that. And then a lot of it's being done with EROS. Do you know what they say is the highest percentage of venereal disease in Florida? It's in a community made up of people like you. It's a retirement community. Hey, and it's an upscale retirement community. Hey, they say the highest percentage. You see, it's all like this. In Asheville today, I'm sure this is true. People are physically hungry. They can't get good food. They're going to be digging around in a garbage can. (laughs) Do it all the time. You see all that sort of stuff. So you've got to have love. You've got to have God's love. It keeps the other two in balance. (laughs) And the minute you run out of God's love, the other two are going to. And I don't have to tell you this. You know, um, the importance of it... um, I think the best illustration in the Bible, and I don't know whether I'm going to get to the message, what I wanted to do today, it really relates to this, but um, uh, is the Ephesian church. If you read the history of the Ephesian church in the Bible, uh, Paul went to, um, uh, somebody went to Ephesus and said, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believe? They said, we haven't even heard of him. <laughs> so they received the Holy Spirit and became a church that was known for its love. That's around 60 A.D. Uh, And uh, if you read, it's one of the great churches in the New Testament. Uh, No question about it along that line. But, hey, 40 years later, you know what God is saying to them? You guys are working hard. You're doing all kinds of good things. You have the right theology. But you have left your first love, and I'm leaving town if you don't get back to it. (laughs) I mean, that's a vivid picture of the importance of the place of leaving love out of your life along that line. You know, I never come to Asheville. I only think of two or three things. Um, um, A few years ago, um, I was flying up here on Christmas Day, and uh, we were driving to the Orlando airport, and um, one of the billboards said that the lottery was $60 million dollars. I've been telling God for a long time, you know, that if you give me that money, I'd give it to missions, you know. And, you know, um, so it was Christmas Day, and we were flying up here. And when I got up here to Asheville um, um, and got settled down, I told God, this will really be a good time. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know, just think of of $60 million. And this is what God said to me. And I'm really going to talk to you about hearing God today. So this is what God said to me. God said, son, if I thought gold would have changed the world, I'd have sent gold instead of my son. Amen. And he reminded me that he uses very, very ordinary people, very, very ordinary people uh, in his kingdom. To the people I support in mission, one is a guy in Cambodia Uh his father was killed uh, by a terrorist in the Philippines. Uh, he was a missionary there. And um, he, he's the most unlikely looking person you've ever seen to be a missionary, you know. And uh, he married a, a Cambodian girl. They have Cambodian children, of course. And uh, uh, he has a very unusual ministry. Uh, he was going to see a tribe out in the jungle. And God said, don't talk to them about Jesus for three years. Now, that's not very missionology in some terms, are you with me? Hey, he's listening to God. And God said, hey, after three years, the whole tribe will become Christians in one day. And that's exactly what happened. He's a very ordinary guy. God's uh, doing great things. I'm just praying that he'll stay humble. I know another girl named Vicki Blair. She's working in one of those... Russian states that ends with sta now you <laughs> I forget which one. I can't believe uh, what God's doing through this one simple girl. She happens to be the daughter of a teenager in my in my second church. but God, God just uses ordinary people and I forgot to say one other thing. the cheap characteristic of Agape love that he was talking to us about this morning is sacrifice. We know love by this: that He laid down His life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for one another. And uh, uh, there are all kinds of sacrifice uh, to be able to do it. And uh, and uh, do it. Um, some of my friends, the Moburgs are here, and uh, uh, they. Uh, I wanted to tell you about. how He led us. Uh, we met in a home group in his home for about eight years. So about eight couples, and um, and um, g- let different ones of them lead. And Rudy was going to lead it, and so he comes to um, he, he comes to the meeting one night, and he's got a bunch of rocks and pieces of stick, and he gives everybody a rock and everybody a piece of stick. And um, you know, I, I'm a guy who loves good ideas, and man, you know. So he says, "Hey, we're going to build an altar." He says, altars are built where people encounter God. <laughs> they build, build altars. So he said, I want you all to tell about some encounter that you have with God. Put the stone out in the middle, and we're going to build an altar. And man, I think this is really great. And then he says, the purpose of an altar is a sacrifice. <laughs> That's the purpose of an altar, to offer a sacrifice. And he said, uh, Rudy, I don't know if you remember this night or not, but anyway, he said, um, I want you to ask God what he wants from you. And I still think, man, this is wonderful, marvelous. What a great idea. And um, so I asked God what he wanted of me. And when God told me, I went cold. I mean, I went absolutely cold uh, to do it. Um, I had a little roommate the church um, where I was. I call it Miami, where I met God every morning alone. And uh, and uh, I uh, God had given me four promises to cover every area of my life. And um, I, I put those promises, I had them coded up on the wall. Uh, and, uh, and God said to me, I want those promises back. And I was, li- I mean, I was sick inside, and um, I, I, I didn't want it to give those. Mani- you know, often I'd sit in that office, and I'd turn around, and I'd say, God, you promised. You promised. And it was uh, different areas of the life. And But then God reminded me of a sign that I had put up at our church, and it was this. There's only one alternative to obey, adi- obeying a command of Jesus Christ, and that's to disobey you know, God shoots you with your own gun. <laughs> and uh, so I, I that night, I, I went over and put my stick on the altar and left. And I was sick. I mean, I was just sick. How could God uh, do this? Uh, he'd given me this. Why was he asking me back for it? And um, I remember next morning, I went down to the office, this little place where I prayed. It was only about four feet wide, nine feet long. It wasn't anything pretty. Just a place where I could get alone with God. And um, and uh, I remember I had to go take those things off the wall, those promises. You know? Uh, and and I thought, man, you know. And that day, God said to me, God said to me, hey, that was four promises. Now you have me and all the other promises. That day, of really, first time in my life, I understood a little bit what it meant for God to be my father. That was one of the first times in my life I ever realized, you know, we can use words, but what do those words mean? We, we interpret words in the light of our experience of them. And, you know, another thing to back up what he was saying, Paul said, the only thing that works is faith that works by love. <laughs> you have to have faith. And it has to be generated, and the, and the word in the Bible is agape love. In fact, there's a very strong verse I've never heard it preached on. It said, "If anybody doesn't love God, let him be accursed." I'm not sure what that means. I'm sort of afraid to ask. God, you may, <laughs> uh, so I just better stay in in in, in loving God. And uh, one of the experiences I had, you know, was I'd come up here to Ridgecrest for a conference, and um, at conferences like this, you tell God how much you love Him and how wonderful He is, and you'll do anything He wants. You know, it's easy in an environment like this to to tell God uh, all those kind of things. And um, so we went our way home, and um, we stopped in at a Howard Johnson's motel somewhere in Georgia, and um, and um, we. We got checked in. It was about 11 o'clock at night, and I, I, I'd I already got into bed. My wife, you know, women have to do a lot of fixing up before they go to bed. And um, I, w- I, w- I was laying there in bed, and, and um, God said to me. Now, when I say God said to me, I've never heard God audibly. I've met about 16 to 20 people that have said they heard God audibly, and I, I, I don't limit God to do. I've never heard him. Um, I thought God said, go up to the office, and witness to the two guys behind the counter. Well, you know, I tried to shake it off. Or you mean, hey, I tried. I just tried to shake it off. I couldn't. Uh, I don't want to get up. I don't want to go up there. I don't want to be 11 o'clock at night. Uh, what in the heck? You know, stuff like that. But anyway, without any joy, <laughs> just out of probably uh, a decent kind of fear, You know, the fear of God is a respectful guy. You know what God wants you to do. I went up to the office, and um, when I got up there, there was a man checking in. You know, the Coward Johnsons have a clear thing up front, and um, I know it isn't good to witness to kids or to anybody uh, when they're doing their job. So it's 11 o'clock at night, and so I'm walking around outside waiting for him to check in, and that doesn't take very long, and I, I notice his car... Is from Bavard County, where I am in, in Florida. I'm in Florida. And uh, so when he comes out, I, I say, Hey, I'm Peter Law from so from Florida. And so on. he grips me <laughs> and says, You're the very person I'm looking for. <laughs> He'd been driving up the, the interstate, and y- you don't stop at 11 o'clock at night when you rent a motel. And he said, Something kept pushing me on. Till I got in, and I got pulled in. Well, I, I realized what happened. Here's a man crying, God help. And God said, well, there's Peter Lord telling me how much he loves me. Let's see, loves me. you know, will he do what I'm telling him to do? And uh, so he took me down to his room. I spent an hour with him. And just in case I didn't miss anything, I came back up and witnessed to the two young guys. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, um, those are the sort of things that... Uh, 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 keeping me going now um, in, in my life. I look back across my life and um, I'm just going to, I don't know what I'm going to do with the rest of this thing, but uh, l- let me just tell you a couple more stories that that keep me going. Um, one morning in my Miami, my devotional, that's the most precious place on earth for me other than where I have the one at home now uh, where I meet with God every day alone. Um, one morning I'm in there and um Talking to God and God's talking to me. And he says to me, "You don't really believe in prayer, do you?" And I, well, that's not a very good thing to say to a preacher. <laughs> and he said, "I want to ask you a question. How come around this church you've got everything, everything, except a room for prayer? You got a kitchen. We had a room you could bake ceramics in. We had a nice gymnasium, and on and on and on." This was, I found out it's good, I, I keep a record. At this time, I was using a stenographer's notepad, and each page, I'd, I'd keep a record on this. This was December 4th. And God said to me, in my mind, hey, uh, I know you don't have much faith, but uh, I want you to build a place where only prayer will be made, and, um, and as proof of it, that I'm asking you to do this, Ask me to send somebody by the church with $500. Doesn't know what to do with it. Okay. So um, I write that out. Well, December 5th comes up. Okay. And I think one of the reasons we, we keep coming back to God is because he wants our cooperation. Are you with me? Hey. In answering the prayers. You might want us to write a letter, make a phone call, or whatever. So on December the 5th, he says to me, ask me to do it before Christmas. So I wrote this out. I still have a copy of this sheet. Um, uh, Do it before Christmas. Uh, So I I write this out, and um, between December uh, 5th and 20th, when I'd ask God, he wouldn't tell me to do anything. On December 20th, I figured, man, God's in some real trouble. He needs some help. (laughs) So I figured figured that if I gave... uh, got another week <laughs> somebody would get a lot of money for Christmas and come by between so I, I wrote out do it before New Years <laughs> that's what I wrote out you know uh, that day a couple I'd never met before drove 40 miles they were Presbyterians and they said God sent us over here to give you some money and uh, some bad news that can't give most of his life to the first of the year but on December 24th guess how much money they gave $500 and that prayer chapel stands up there today and uh, prayer chapel is good but it has to be used in order to, to be of any real uh, value and profit and uh, it has to be used well along that line you know Jesus said my house shall be called a house of prayer it's become a house of preaching that's what it has. It's become a house of preaching. Uh, I went to London um, on my, f- I think, 50th or 60th anniversary, the wedding anniversary my wife wanted to go there and um, you visit all the, the super churches there. They're, they're, uh, they're centre, tourist centers now. I remember going into Westminster Abbey to see people buried in the floor. <laughs> I mean, that's about all of this there. And uh, Hundreds of tourists all over the place. And in one little corner, a small group of people having a service led by an Episcopal priest uh, along that line. So it's 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 the things uh, that God has said to me. Uh, and uh, I wish I could tell you a whole lot more. Uh, I have enough of them, but he keeps reminding me of them and uh, of, of the power of prayer. Um just uh, one more thing about this prayer chapel um, um, the, uh, on Monday this last week um, uh, there was a girl that was uh, a teenager in my early years I've been in there 50 years so she's older now and her father died and she had she didn't come to the church she goes to another church now she uh, had asked her family to meet her up with the prayer chapel this last Monday okay uh, this last Monday. And um, so, and sh- she knew that her mother really liked me. And she was praying that something would happen. She and I arrived at the prayer chapel at exactly the same time. I mean, exactly the same time. And I was able to go in there. She had about 20 of her family in there. And uh, they uh, were going to pray Okay. Um, this thing on love—you um, got to keep it going. Um, I, v- my wife and I, vacationed in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, for about thirty years. Every year. going out there. But one day it dawned on me what the real reason was why I like to go back out there. The first time we went out there, we didn't know where we were going or what we were going to do. So um, My wife and I, somebody gave us an apartment out there and we went out there and, uh, you know, it's the first vacation she and I had had where there weren't children along and you didn't have to go see relatives. You know, when I go back to Jamaica, I had to see every uncle and aunt. (laughs) And you you understand what I'm talking about, every one of them, you know. (laughs) So. (laughs) And um, here am I in Jackson Hole, uh, before we take kids on vacation, we're going to the beach, there are other people. Here am I with her for one, about eight days, hey, just her alone. You know, nothing else to do but to spend time with her. And I realized what happened. I fell in love with her in a new, better, and deeper way by just spending time with her. By just spending time with her to do it. And I realized one day, that's why I like to go back there, because of that uh, wonderful experience and memory. I learned a lot of things about her and, that I hadn't taken the time before. I remember it like it was yesterday. I could almost tell you everything we did together along that that line. Now, what I was going to talk to you today, and I mightn't even use this today. I'll just trust the Holy Spirit, too, because I'm way off track on on what I was doing. Um, I want to talk to you about today what Jesus said was one needful thing. He's been talking about basics, and I think we all need to get back to the basics. So, uh, uh, I wonder if you know. Uh, now, if there's one needful thing, it simply means this: there's one thing you can do without. <laughs> I mean, that's the simple conclusion uh, of it. Okay, and uh, and the, the the story appears at the end of Luke ten. Uh, Jesus has a home he likes to go to. He got two sisters and a brother. And uh, so he's gone to the home of Martha and Mary, and uh, and I, g- I guess they had some company in, and uh, they're in the living room, and Jesus is talking to them. And uh, uh, Martha's back in the kitchen. Uh, I'm a Martha by nature. Do, 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 do. You know, hey. So she's back in the kitchen, and she looks into the living room, and there's her sister Mary doing nothing. And she gets all upset, and after a while, she can't hold it in. So she marches into the living room, and she says to Jesus, would you tell her to get in here and help me? (laughs) And Jesus said to her, Martha, you're troubled about many things and busy about many things. Only one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen that. You'll remember, Mary was the only person that had any idea of Jesus and why he was going to be crucified. She had an insight into him and then anointed him uh, with that bottle of ointment. uh, Now, just think of it, a former prostitute (laughs) and uh, knowing more about Jesus because she learned how to sin. And just one other observation, you know, the Bible was not divided in chapter and verses. So this is at the end of Luke 10. You know how Luke 11 begins? The disciples come to Jesus and said, teach us how to pray. They realized that what was going on in that room was prayer. Because prayer is an intimate communication with God. And the main purpose of prayer is not to get things from God, things the main purpose of prayer is to love him with all of our heart and mind and soul and strength and to be able to do it you know I've got some little tests I, I like to try on myself about prayer I mean loving God do I love God okay I found out this that um and uh you just take it and uh, I had to tell God look I, in my ministry w- when I was about to quit the ministry although I said, God, I don't love you, but I'd like to learn how to love you. I, I, had, I just came to a place where I, I mean, love was just a word and a good word. Can you imagine a preacher saying, I don't love God? I mean, even his congregation, if they didn't love God, they'd want to get rid of him, right? To be able to do it, uh, uh, to, to, to be able to, to, to love God and uh, with, with, with all of my heart and soul and strength, and I came to them. And here's, he, here's a little test. Did, uh, what do I do with my free time? My free time is when I can do anything I want to do. What would you think if you lived across the street from me and I spent a couple of hours with my wife every week and about 15 hours with another woman down the street? What would you think? Uh, you might be good enough, Christian, not to judge, but what would you think? There's something wrong. Number two, uh, what what do I do in my free time? Uh, people do with their free time what they like to do, and uh, they're going to fill it up with something. And the second thing, when you love something, and uh, some unfortunately it's not a, a somebody, <laughs> sometimes it's just a something. Huh. When you love something, hey, when you are with them, the time goes by real quickly. Have you noticed that? I mean, it just goes go whoop. When last have you spent 30 minutes with God and it seemed like five minutes? Most of us spend five minutes with God and it seems like 30. You know, I mean, let's just get honest, okay? Uh, Number three, everybody gets emotional about what they love. Everybody does. Now, there are different forms of expressions of emotion. They talk about You ought to see that fish I caught. (laughs) You ought to see that shot I made on the ninth hole, or whatever else it might be. Uh, When we love something, we we want to talk about it. And then the fourth thing is this. When we love something, we're willing to sacrifice for it. Sacrifice for it. You know, somebody told me, there's a bass boat. It costs $20,000. You know what I'm figuring? What's the price of fish? <laughs> I mean, hey, I mean, how much does fish cost when you spend twenty thousand dollars for a bass boat? You know. I remember on Easter Sunday, 1950. I was a, a senior in college and in love with my wife, and I, I, th- that Sunday I bought a, an orchid. It costs $15. I can still see her standing there in her dress with the orchid. And, um, you know, that's not much money today, but I was making 35 cents an hour. That's a whole week's work for a lousy flower. <laughs> 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 Do you think if I thought of it like that, never gave it a single thought, hey, because a sacrifice is just a natural part of love. And then, of course, the ultimate test of whether we love God is this. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. It, it, it's that simple to be able to, to do it. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So we have to ask ourselves. Most of us have one or two areas we want to hedge in. Are you and me? <laughs> it's easy to keep this and this and this and this. But uh, are, are we keeping his commandments? Are we doing the things he's asked us to do? And in prayer, when you're listening... Uh, he uh, he uh, tells us a lot of things uh, in loving us and some of the things are things he'd like us to do in order to enrich our, our relationship with him. Now I believe, this is where I am, the most important t- part of my life right now is the time I spend alone with God. I believe that. I believe that's the, 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 the foundation of it all. And uh, I'm discipling a good many people. I have four home groups, and um, then some people on the side. I'm trying them all to get get them just to spend some time with God. It's one of the most difficult things that I do huh, huh, with these people, just to get them. And I'm talking about I encourage them to give them 15 minutes a day or 10 minutes a day with God. Just start out with 10 minutes. Hey, give God uh, – There's a Roman Catholic community. I forget the name of them, one of their orders. uh, The person who started it found out uh, this, that we are people of habit. (laughs) We develop habits, and the habits hold us, and they get a hold of us. And uh, I I, I don't find it hard to do this now because I've been doing it for so long and doing it. I just know the profit of it, of, uh, of doing this, uh, to, to be able to, to, do, to do this. Now, in order to do this, you know, I know you can pray every place. But there's private prayer and group prayer and different sizes of group prayer. But, hey, Jesus did say, when you pray, get into your closet and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and I will reward you openly. That's what, that's what he said. Now, in order to do this, number one, you have to have a place. And number two, you need to have a time. Have you ever thought about the Lord's Prayer? It's a morning prayer. Um, could you pray at 10 o'clock at night just before you go to sleep? Give me this day, my daily bread when you've already overeaten. <laughs> and hey, do you get into a lot of temptation after ten o'clock? I'm too sad to sin. You know, most. <laughs> I mean, it, it's gone. Hey, it's really a morning prayer, and but I'm not making a rule of that. Uh, there are a few crazy people in this world whose best hours are between eleven and one o'clock at night. You know, uh, and uh, if that's the best, give God your best time. Don't give him your leftovers. Okay, you need, you need, a place, you need a time. And you need a plan. You need a plan. Uh, if you don't have a plan, you're just going to be shooting all over the place. This is the practical uh, nature of it. Now, all of us have a problem with praying. When I take surveys about the biggest problem that people have in praying, number one, always is mind wandering. I get down to pray and my mind goes off here and I go off here and I go. But I've found a solution to that. I really have. Uh, I, I if I try to pray without this, I I spend ninety percent of the time pulling my mind back in to concentrate to the Lord. You know, you get to praying and don't forget to buy bread. Uh, don't forget to pay this bill. Don't and uh, do I keep a piece of paper to where I write those things down. That's what somebody advised to be able to do. But what I'm advising you to do is to journal. The journal. Journaling is writing out your conversations with God. Now, uh, what I'm trying to do for Christmas presents last year and this year is to give away meaningful books and uh, uh, to people. And the books that I'm trying to give away the most are, are, are books where people journaled, women journal, Jesus Today. And uh, I forget the names of all of them. I just ordered some more uh, books to be able to give them away uh, to people uh, and these the books are nothing more than people who journal and they write down what God said to them and uh, man it's always encouraging it, it's absolutely marvelous so um, I know it, uh, and here's the bad news it takes at least 30 days to establish a habit <laughs> uh, you know you, you, you've you been doing something for so long as, as you go along in, in life like that so need to you need to learn to do whatever it takes to correct whatever problem you have in prayer and uh, there are three reasons I like to journal number one is the faintest ink is better than the strongest memory <laughs> I, I didn't bring my prayer plan here I have it back in the room uh, I have a prayer plan Hey, and so when I go to pray for Bill Jones, who happens to be the president of Columbia University. He's one of the people I pray for every day down in Columbia, South Carolina. I know exactly what I'm praying for him. It's, I'm, I'm not leaving. Um, don't pray wholesale. Wholesale is God bless Bill Jones. Retail is God. This is how you ought to bless Bill Jones, or at least how I'm asking you to bless Bill Jones uh, down there. Uh, and, and think. So, uh, I- I- number one, Faintest ink is better than the strongest memory. But here's the main reason uh, to to journal that i found out. And then another thing that you're going to experience is w- you're going to go back through your prayer plans, and you're going to say, wow, God answered this. God answered this. You're keeping a record of, of, of what you are, are praying for with people. But here's the third most important. There's a law in hearing. It goes like this. If you don't give expression to an impression, you'll soon lose the ability to be impressed. Now, the Bible puts it a different way. It puts it like this. Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart. Three times in two chapters, hear his voice or a hard heart. A hard heart is something that just passes over it. About two weeks ago, I took a journey back to my first church. It's now a, a jungle, really literally. It was a sawmill town, and on the way, I went by Gainesville, and I, I saw this man there, uh, a friend of mine, and and his wife. They were raised in Titusville, and uh, uh, he's a world expert on mosquitoes, you know. <laughs> and um, he was at my house. That, uh, he asked me, they had a very small wedding and asked us if we could have the reception at my house. This was years and years ago and um, he was uh, in the doctorate group uh, at the University of Florida and uh, his ushers were people in the doctorate group, you know. And uh, during the reception, I went out at a little sidewalk in front of my house uh, uh, and and, uh, one of those ushers was standing out there and he said, Mr. Lord, you've got 18 different kind of crickets in that bush. And I went, (sighs) (laughs) I'd never heard a cricket. He went on to tell me, and the University of Florida gave him a PhD for this, he could hear 220 different kind of crickets with his naked (laughs) ear. And uh, he said, the way I'd find a new cricket is I'd drive down a country road with the windows of my car down, and I'd hear cricket and stop it and go out and find it. I mean, can you imagine that? Now, he never heard a cricket that he didn't record. He gave expression to it. I, I never hear crickets because I don't give a blast for Uh, i just show you how all this works T- about hearing on this sidewalk it runs from our front door to the driveway it might be 15 feet one day uh, a bottle brush uh, limb off a bottle brush tree broke off and I it was a monday morning and I laid it on the sidewalk and I want to see who picks it up i'm gonna say you know uh, my wife said we had kept 20 something people beside our own children and I've never had any of them interested in yard work. Never. (laughs) One time, one of the sons offered to cut my yard for me, but he was getting ready to hit me up for some money. (laughs) I used to live under the illusion after they left home they wouldn't need any more money. Was that an illusion? (laughs) So this is the truth. That limb, you had to walk around it stayed there all day Monday, all day Tuesday. And I was leaving town Wednesday afternoon and I think I got a Holy Ghost brainwave. (laughs) I took a dollar bill and and taped it into the middle of this big branch. (laughs) You know in 15 minutes the first child by found it? You see you see and hear what you're interested in. What's vital to you? That guy could hear crickets because he couldn't graduate without uh, uh, being able to hear crickets. And he told me one time, I'm not near as good as my professor is (laughs) hear 225 different kind of crickets with his naked ear. And so I want to encourage you in praying Remember, the first object of prayer, the very first object of prayer, is to keep a hot, loving relationship with God, a hot, loving relationship with God, and, uh, and uh, to keep that going in, 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 inside of you. Now, th- there are other things you need to pray for. Intercession is wonderful. Don't you think? I know I'm always happy when one of my kids comes to me and say, will you do this for another kid? Intercession is asking God to do things for other people. And most of the prayers in the New Testament are intercession for good Christians. Two two prayers in Ephesians, John 17, one in Colossians, um, one in Philippians, and and other other, other things. And they're praying for people, praying for them regularly along the line, and uh, leaving the results up to God, leaving the results up to God. But the first purpose is to keep that heart relationship uh, going with God and uh, to be able to do it. And you know, those of us who are retired and there's a good percentage of us in here today, we have more time than we can do that. (laughs) I mean, uh, we don't have to go to work for 40 hours a week and all the travel and eating and everything that takes place uh, along that line. Somebody said that the enemy's weapon of mass destruction is mass distraction. can say the internet's wrong, <laughs> you know, or any of that kind of thing? But the devil gets us off into so many, many, many corners uh, with things that are innocent. And so, the base. Uh, I want to. I want to just share one more story with you about the love of God, and then I'll quit. A uh, few months ago, in the last year, there's a man church is going to divorce his wife man he was angry at her and hated her and um, and uh, and um, so uh, I felt like the Lord told me to try to get together with him and the Lord said to me do not talk to him about his marriage do not talk to him about his relationship with me So every time he'd come in, I'd talk with him about his relationship with God. Wouldn't mention his wife. Wouldn't mention how wrong what he was doing was, no matter what. Do you know they have a better marriage today than they've ever had in their life? They actually had a remarrying ceremony where they got together and and had uh, one of those people at the church perform a, a ceremony for them saw the power of the love of God. I've come to a place where when I I pray for my children, God, if they love you with all their heart, I don't care what they do. (laughs) Because I know they'll do the things that are right. So one of the admonitions of the apostles was keep yourself in the love of God. Keep yourself in the love of God. And uh, receive it as he gives it to you. Trusting him that he's going to give So one of the advantages of conferences like this, or even going to church. Three weeks ago, I went to church, and the first sentence that the pastor said, God drove it into my heart. I went. I mean, it was out of town, about 120 miles away, and uh, and uh, the first sentence he said was right for me, you know. And I take it home, and I, I'm trying to put it into practice. What uh, God spoke to me. Along that line, so let's get quiet again. And uh, I just ditched the whole thing. I had a wonderful presentation. <laughs> but uh, after he spoke and what he did, I, I felt the Holy Spirit leading me. And I could, I just all the exciting stories in my life um, uh, have come from when I listened to God, and uh, and trusted Him, and from little things uh, uh, like finding a lost check. In fact, I'll just tell you this one. To do. Uh, one time, I went to um, in Florida. We have a campground like this for Baptists, and I was there. And when I went back home, I lost my wallet, and uh, and uh, and uh, I had a check in it, you know. And uh, I said, God, I'd like to have my wallet back. And uh, is there anything I can do to help you? And God said, No. Six weeks later, my wallet was mailed back to me with everything in it. I'm, I'm just showing you the little teeny things in life. We have a loving Heavenly Father who's concerned about every detail of our lives. So let's just get quiet and ask God to, we oh, have been at the conference. It might be something he said here today. <coughs> it could have been something he said to you in your room or someplace like that, but look, Take back home one thing that you're going to start to act on. You're going to start to believe and start to follow through.